Well, you may have caught a, a glimpse of what we're talking about this morning from the, uh, the video intro. We're going to be talking about love today. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Non-controversial, nothing there. Something we should all aspire to. But it's a little more complicated from that, and we're going to get into a lot of that today. Um, but first off, I'd like for us to start with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to, for us to come together and worship you, Lord. And just pray that the, the words that I give out today, Lord, will be, be things that glorify you. And Lord, that most of all, that it will encourage us all to be more like your son, Lord. That is the, the goal of, for all of us here, is to encourage each other to be more, more like Jesus, Lord. And we just pray that you'll bless in this time together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to start out with a verse about love. And I want to give you a little context on this here in just a minute, but I'd like to go ahead and read the verse. This is from Matthew chapter 22. Listen to this. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That sounds pretty good. You're supposed to love people and you're supposed to love God. That's, that's kind of our, been our tagline for a long time. Love God, love people, period. It's very simple. Uh, it's based out of this verse. However, there was a little controversy here that I want you to, to look at. You always have to think, take, take Scripture in context of what was going on around the time that it was written and the situation it was written in. So keep in mind, this is a Pharisee lawyer who's asking the question, there was a dispute amongst the Jewish religious leaders concerning which commandment was the greatest. By asking this question, they hoped that the answer that Jesus gave would turn the people against him. In other words, it was a trick question to some sort. You know, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? There was one group that thought it was this in Jewish culture. There was another group that thought it was this. And their whole goal was to discredit Jesus and get the people mad at him because people were starting to follow him and the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees the Jewish religious leaders did not like that. So they wanted to kind of usurp his, his pull over the people, the things that he was doing that they were liking. And they thought, well, if only we can trip him up and make him say something to get himself in trouble, this will be fantastic. And people will quit following him and we'll go back to the way things have been. Now, does that sound anything like maybe the way things go today in our society? Y'all are, some of you are chuckling. You know it is. You know People ask questions to try and trap other people into giving an answer that they can attack. Is that not correct? That is the way politics go. That's the way social media goes. That's the way advertising goes. Everything that we see is designed to get a response of some sort. And hopefully we'll get a response that we can make our opponent look foolish in and we can say those things. That's the reason right now we have such a battle between the media and our president good or bad, is because they have become adversaries and they each try and outdo the other by saying how horrible they are and trying to trip each other up and say, well, you said this, well, now you say this. And all this stuff is built to bring controversy. And this is what this, this young religious leader here, the lawyer, was doing by asking, teacher, which is, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, how did Jesus react? I think that's our first clue is how we should react in some situations. He said, you shall love your Lord, your God, and love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Now, we're not going to get into this particular scripture today, but do you remember another passage of scripture where a young, young leader asked, well, who's my neighbor? To keep trying to trap Jesus 
into saying something that you, you want. So, you know, it's like, okay, I can love my neighbor, but you define who that is because I have a very specific idea about my, who my neighbor is and who I should like and who I shouldn't. So Jesus didn't fall into this trap. He gave us some very simple commandments here that we are to love God and we're to love our neighbors. And love our neighbors as we even love ourselves. And we're all pretty darned in love with ourselves, aren't we? I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to recognize. But now, here's the question I have for you. Does this greatest commandment that Jesus presents replace the Ten Commandments and all of Jewish law? There's some controversy about that even today. How many of you know the religious leader preacher from Atlanta, Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son? Andy has written a lot of good books, has a lot of good ideas. His current book has been a little controversial because he says that this command here completely replaces everything in Scripture. It's the New Covenant. And he is right to an extent. But we'll go into this in just a second. But people have said, oh no, you can't. He's not saying that the Old Testament does not still apply. He's just saying there's a truth here that we need to look at and realize. And I think there's some value in that. You know, when we think about the Jewish customs and law, you know, and I see this argument all the time. I even saw this argument, and Andy Stanley made this in, in his defense of what he was saying and trying to explain himself because again somebody had posed a a question they didn't directly ask him but they put it out into the media well what does he say about so and so well he didn't get a chance to respond they didn't have a conversation with him it was a one-sided well we think this it almost tried to answer the question for him and Andy Stanley came back and said here let me give you a little bit of explanation he said that old testament law he said yes I think much of that applies to our life he said are we going to stone rebellious children? That's in there, isn't it? Old Testament has a lot of funky laws that were designed for the time and people that were there. Now, if I go to 115, Heath will be stoning rebellious children, me and everybody around him. I mean, how many of y'all have ever, how many of you worked in Kidmo? If you haven't, you may not understand stoning rebellious children, but you know, but they are your kids, so you should understand. But no, we don't do things like that. That's just ludicrous to think that we would stone children. And that's what Andy Stanley saying. You have to be careful to look at things in context. But the way we love people should supersede all this. Now, if you love your children, do you discipline them? Kids will say, oh, no. Parents will say, yes. There is love in being disciplined. And God even disciplines us. But what I want us to think about is those in the Old Testament law this morning, I want to pr- focus primarily on the Ten Commandments. That's the big ten that we can all remember. That's the ones that we get arguments over where they should be posted in the courthouse. We have all this, these fights about the Ten Commandments. But those Ten Commandments are not just law. Those are not just things, do's and don'ts for us. Because those Ten Commandments are all relational. And you may have not thought about it that way. But the Ten Commandments are relational commandments. And they're based on loving relationships. So this is how we tie this together. This verse about loving God and loving other people and it being the greatest commandment is because all the other commandments have that love wrapped up in them. And I want to go through those 10 this morning, beginning with the first one. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. That's pretty easy. We all understand that. That was primarily used as a sense of idolatry. You weren't supposed to make images of other gods you weren't supposed to follow other religions you know that sort of thing making graven idols which the people of that day were famous for uh some of you may remember the old movie the ten commandments where they make the golden calf that was the way a lot of people worshiped in the 
in that culture as they made idols that they worshipped. And he's saying, no, don't do that. But this goes deeper. This is a relational command in that to be in a true relationship with God, we must love nothing more than we love Him. It wasn't so much of, don't make this golden cow down here and bow down and worship it. It was, you're taking your focus off me. We can't be in a relationship if you have other things that are more important than me. And that's what this was all about, was we need to love God like He's the only God there is. And sometimes in our lives we get other things that, that interfere with that. Our gods may be our job, it may be relationships, it may be our addictions, it may be a host of things, it may be busyness. There are so many things that get in the way of us loving God like we should and having that relationship with Him that He, he so desires to be in that relationship. You know, we're the only religion that has that. Have you ever thought about that? All other religions... The God, little g, who is in charge of that religion, has no desire to be in a relationship with the people. You know that? We're, we, we know the true God, and that's because He loves us. We're made in His image. He gave His Son for us. He loves us that much that He wants to be in a relationship with us. So why should we get things get in the way of that relationship? Uh, second commandment, thou shalt not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord in vain. That one's pretty straightforward, is if you love God, you're going to respect His name and what it means. And, you know, you can, you can get that one as twisted as you want to about what using God's name in vain is. There's lots of different things. But just know you need to respect God's name. You know, I can remember people would make the argument if you said, gosh, that that was the same thing as saying God and you were taking His name in vain. I mean, really, people? You know, we've got better things to worry about than that. So just remember that in your speech and the things you do, respect God and honor His name. Number three, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is one of my favorites when we get to arguing about the Ten Commandments. We want this posted in every courthouse. Some very conservative Christians think that that needs to be there. They need to post that everywhere we can. Well, first of all, most of us, including Journey, don't have that posted on the wall anywhere. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's a little hypocritical to say you need it in your courthouse it's not, when it's not in your, your own church. However, if we're going to take this in context where this was at, does anybody know when the Sabbath day is? It was yesterday. We've all missed the boat. If we're going to hang everything on remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, guys, we're all in pretty big trouble this morning. Okay? A broader context with the new covenant and loving God and loving people that Jesus is talking about. Remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is if we love God, we should dedicate time towards pursuing Him. That's what you guys are doing this morning. A lot of people these days don't see the value in what we're doing here this morning of, of coming together as a group of people to, to worship through song and prayer and to, to hear teaching about how we can apply the principles of God to our lives. People don't think that's important anymore. And I think it is. We need to dedicate that time. We need to set some time aside to pursue God and only God. Um, and that is a sign that we're in a relationship with Him. You know, think back to some of you folks when you were dating. Did you pursue your wife? Did you do things to woo her? Did you, you know, did you do nice things? Did you go on dates together? Did you want to spend time with her? You did. Ladies, the same way. Your prospective husband, you wanted to spend time with him. Those relationships are built in that time, in that love relationship. It's the same relationship we need to have with God. So if we want to have a relationship with him, we need to set time aside. And not just for an hour on Sunday morning. That doesn't get us through the week either. We need to be 
fellowshipping with those around us. We need to be talking about God. We need to be applying these principles to our lives. We need to you know, have friends that can reach out and support us when we're going through tough times. All those are things towards reflecting on God and setting time aside for Him. Number four, honor thy father and mother. You know, we show love by our relationship with our parents. We should love our parents. And I know everyone has not always had the best parents. I know some of you came from broken homes. You struggled through relationships with your parents, the parent-child relationship. But there is a sense of honoring there still that we need to we need to obey. And I don't mean stay in abusive relationships with parents and things like that. Sometimes you have to get away from those things. But we should have a respect and love for our parents. Number five, thou shalt not kill. Well, duh, that's a pretty easy one. <laughs> You know, that's, you know, we like to pick the commandments that we, we like because those are the ones I don't struggle. I have not struggled with killing anyone today so far. Some, some of you guys are on thin ice that I've talked to this morning, but no. I've not struggled with killing anyone. But if you struggled with being angry with anyone, you know, Jesus kind of goes on in, in a lot of things that, that he says to expand these commandments because he realizes people that kill each other are a small percentage of the, of the, of the problem here. You know, and Jesus went on to say, you know, when you're angry in your heart, that's kind of like killing people, isn't it? And that's a tough one for us because we all get angry. Um, but we show love by honoring the, um, we are made in God's image. So murdering another person is the ultimate act of hate towards both the individual and God. How can we say we love God when we kill somebody that's made in his image? And when we say thou shalt not kill, that means thou shalt not murder. There are things when, when, you're pushed to the point that you may have to kill someone to defend yourself. To def- you know, there are evil people in this world that would like to kill you for what you have. So you have to remember that always, that, that Jesus does not say you cannot defend yourself or those that you love or those that are defenseless especially. But this is talking about thou shalt not murder. It's to have that hatred in your heart. And if you have hatred in your heart against another man or woman, it's the same as hating God because they're made in his image. Just keep that one in mind. Number six, thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, one that Jesus expanded on to include lust. He said, if you look at that woman with lust in your heart, that's the same as committing adultery with her. You know, we need, in this case, to show love by honoring the little relationship boundaries that have been established between husband and wife. I don't know how many times I've heard well, God understands the situation. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I've heard that over and over from people trying to justify relationships where they are breaking up marriages and doing things like that and saying, well, God understands this. No, he does not. He does not support that. He has very defined roles of sexuality and marriage and family in Scripture. And he doesn't honor that. God did not take a man away from his wife and give him to you or a woman away from her husband and give her to you and that be his will. That is not the way it works. God does not do that. And our society has got that so twisted. Our divorce rates are so high. You know, it used to be the church could be seen as an example. Now the divorce rate among Christians, those that claim to follow Christ, is as high as those around them in the world. It's become a disposable type thing where we can just say, well, that's gotten too hard. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I'm going to go like trading cars. I'm going to trade spouses. I'm going to get me a new one. I can do better than this. Uh, we also get in the, the habit of saying, I deserve better than this. This is throughout this. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. We tend to think we deserve more than what we have all the time. You know, we, you know, 
I often uh, was talking to a friend last week, and he even brought this up. Y'all ever listen? I believe it's Dave Ramsey. When people ask how Dave Ramsey is, he's always responded with, better than I deserve. And that's true for all of us. We, you know, we're not inherently good people. You know, we're all fallen. We all have a sin nature. And we do get, you know, the grace of God covers those things. And so we are better off than what we deserve. But, you know, we, we have this thing where we, we need to have loving relationships, especially in those, those marriage boundaries that God has established. That is a boundary that should never be crossed. You, shouldn't even, you should not be even thinking about being in a relationship with somebody else's spouse. That's not for you. And that's what this verse is saying. And, and again, you're not showing love to God, and you're certainly not showing love to the person that's going to be harmed in that marriage by doing that. Uh, number seven is, thou shalt not steal. We show love by honoring what belongs to others. That's a pretty easy one, we think. Don't have a real problem with going out, and I want to, I want to go steal your stuff. If you leave your purse in here, I'm going to pick it up and get your wallet out of it and take your credit cards and go to Walmart. That seems to be the, the common thing. You know, I can... Look, guys, if I steal your credit card, I can find better places than Walmart to go spend it. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go someplace that has some really cool stuff that I can't afford. You know, I'm not going to go to Walmart and buy, you know, you know, tennis shoes and coffee with it. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go spend your card somewhere else. But we shouldn't steal from each other. Really easy when you look at it then. But again, expanding it like Jesus would. Do you always give your employer an honest eight hours a day? Do you ever steal time for your employer? You know, we, we don't think about things like that, but we need to respect those that we work for. And those that, that have employees under them need to respect those people and be in a loving relationship. The Bible says a lot about that in, in how slaves and masters were to treat each other. It's very much the same as employees and employers. A lot of the same principles apply in how we should treat each other, how we should love each other and respect each other and not try and steal from each other. Number eight, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. This means we love each other by being truthful with others. That's a little bit of a two-edged sword there sometimes, being truthful with others. But we don't lie about them. We don't make up things on them. We don't lie about others to benefit ourselves. That's a real problem, especially in the workplace sometimes, is, you know, if I can make this person look worse than me, it will go better for me. And people do that. We lie about things. You know, we, we all have the biggest tendency to lie to get ourselves out of trouble. And I am horrible at it. Ask my wife. She says, I can tell by looking at your mouth, you're lying. I can't even make a joke with her. She can tell. It's like, guys, I need some help. If any of you are good at this, you know, I could use some coaching on it because I don't know how to lie to my wife, evidently. And it's very disappointing to be a man and not be able to say that I can lie to her and her not catch me. But there is no way. There is no way. She nails me every time. She says, I can tell by that look on your face. I can't even tell a joke. I can start out, she's like, this is a joke, isn't it? I'm like, golly. So, so you know, that, but... Hopefully that means that we're in a good enough relationship that she knows when I'm being truthful and I know I need to be truthful to her. And we should do that with everybody, not just our spouses, not just with our employers. We should be honest, and that's a way to show love is by being truthful with each other. And we're going to get into this again in a minute as, as this, this all comes together. Is Sometimes being truthful with others, we, we talk about speaking the truth, truth in love. We as Christians have so abused that verse as in, well, I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth no matter how much it hurts you. There are ways that you can soften telling the truth. Believe me, there are ways you can do it, and there's ways you shouldn't do it. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, you know, just having a truthful relationship in everything you do. And it's a whole lot easier to do that because you don't have to remember what lies you've told. I mean, lies are, are often described as a web of deceit, and it goes in all these directions, and you have to keep up with who all you've told these lies to. I have a 
have a good friend of mine, he told me one day that his stepdaughter from Friday to Monday morning had lied to him 71 times he kept count. He's like, how do I, I can't believe anything that comes out of your mouth because you change the story every few minutes. And he said, and he said you know what the worst enemy of a liar is? Is somebody with a good memory. <laughs> Buddy, that is the truth, isn't it? If you can remember what people have told you, it makes that lie that much harder to tell. So it's better just to be truthful with each other. Number nine is related to verse number six about committing adultery, and it's thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Longing for an immoral sexuality is not the way to display love. This goes along with what I was saying a minute ago about having a relationship with somebody else's spouse and respecting those boundaries. God isn't going to honor that kind of thought. And again, Jesus has, has gone on to say that, you know, coveting thy neighbor's wife, you know, that would include lust and things like that. But that's it just, just a little bit more here. It could also be jealous of the relationship you think others have. And coveting that, I wish my wife treated me like that person's wife does. Or I wish my husband treated me like that person's does. And coveting that, oh, I wish I had that. Well, now what t- that tells us is we need our own relationship. And secondly, if you're seeing it on Facebook, it's probably all a lie anyway. <laughs> you know, Mark and I had this problem with pastors. They would, they would post on Facebook, on social media. Every service they had was the greatest worship and the greatest thing that they'd ever had. They posted, this is the greatest ever. It's been fantastic. They don't talk about all the things that go wrong. They don't talk about when instruments don't work. They don't talk about when people are off time. They don't talk about when their sermon absolutely bombs and nobody likes it. Nobody talks about that in the same way as with our relationships. We, don't, we start coveting people's relationships that aren't even real. We see all these, and guys... And ladies, it doesn't work like a Hallmark movie plot either. Have y'all ever, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. We just came off Christmas. Of course, all Hallmark movies are very much the same, except for some of the mysteries that I watch with Karen. I'll actually admit to watching some of those. They're kind of fun. But the rest of them, it's always this relationship. And and this guy's an awful man, and he's terrible. And this other guy that she had a relationship with in the past, or she didn't, and she's come to this realization, or the guys come to the realization, and they get together in the end, and they live happily ever after. It's the best wonderful thing ever. It doesn't work like that. That's a Hallmark movie. It's hard work. You know, if you're waiting on someone to come and swoop you off your feet, either as a, a man or a woman, you're going to be waiting a long time, I'm afraid. It doesn't work like that. It's that pursuing relationships that we need to do, just like I was talking about pursuing a relationship with God. And finally, number 10, thou shalt not, there's a typo there, not cover thy neighbor's goods. It should be covet thy neighbor's goods. We shouldn't want the stuff that other people have. We shouldn't be jealous of what they've got. You know, this envy and greed will eat us up. Feelings of envy, greed, and jealousy keep us from loving those around us. That kind of goes back to I deserve better than this. Well, I work hard. How many of y'all feel like you work hard for the money you make? Those of you that are employed in a full-time job or part-time job. You think you work hard for it? You think you deserve more? We all do. So if I'm working this hard, why does this guy have this and I've got that? You know, it's not fair, is it? You know, people should, should, you know, maybe that's the reason socialism is so popular right now. We all should have the same thing. Maybe that's where that idea comes from, is, is that envy in our hearts that we all want the same thing. You know, the, the funny thing about when we look at these things is we all want to say that, yes, we deserve more than what we have, but none of us say we need to give away part of what we've got to somebody that has less than us, do we? doesn't work that way, does it? It only works when we want more for us. But when we see somebody else that's struggling, we don't want to give more to them. 
You know, that's part of the envy, greed, and those feelings that we have that, that we struggle so with. And it's, these are hard truths to know that those Ten Commandments, and there are so many other things that aren't covered just by those ten points, but I've given us a lifetime of work just there in those ten that we can work on in our loving relationships and how we should love each other. You know, those are things that we should be concentrating on and we should be doing. But it is hard work. It is very hard work. Relationships are hard. Now, how do we love in a practical daily manner? That's where all this really comes together. And I've tried to highlight it, that as we've gone through these 10 to some extent. How do we do this in a practical manner? It's easy to sit here and, and go through and, and, you know, talk about how we would do things and how we should do things. But how do we actually do them? How do we react to those negative situations in life? How do we get together with those that are different from us? How do we find common ground? How do we love other people on a day-to-day basis? You know, I, I read this quote this week, and I thought this was really good. Is one of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt other people with it. Dallas Willard. Boy, that is tough. And we see that over and over in our society today is, I'm right, you're wrong, and not only that, I'm going to cram it down your throat and tell you how wrong you are. And that's what Dallas Willard is talking about here. It is very difficult when, it's, when we're right to communicate that in a loving manner. You know, Jesus never presented the gospel in an overt, aggressive manner. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you, and there's probably going to be a smile selection because you wouldn't be here today if you liked this style of worship and things. How many of you were raised in a very fundamental Baptist type church, Church of God, that background where you went out and you, your goal in life was to go out and condemn everybody around you and tell how horrible they were and that you're going to hell. And I'm doing you a service by telling you you're going to hell. A lot of you are, you know, you've never been exposed to that. The, the South and, and Chattanooga, Tennessee often being called the the buckle of the Bible belt, we had a problem with that in our community. We would go out and we thought the way that we loved people was to go out and tell them how horrible they were. That always works, doesn't it? <laughs> Guys, I want you to try this as an experiment. I want you to go home and tell your wife how horrible she is and how many things she's doing wrong and you can come back to me later this afternoon and tell me how pleasurable it was for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, may not, there may be no coming back from that statement. But, you know, those, those are things we as a society, and, a, and the reason I bring it up is, is Christians who should know better are just as guilty of it, of pushing our opinions and our views and things onto others in a negative manner. And that's tough. And that is the reputation that the church has that, honestly, is we're hypocrites. Well, that's because just going through these 10 here that we can all say that we've fa- failed at at some point in time, and then saying, yes, I failed at all 10 of these commandments, but I'm not as bad as you and you need to straighten up. People don't receive that well. I don't receive that well, do you? If somebody is, is, is telling me I'm doing wrong, there's got to be a loving way to do that. But notice Jesus never communicated that way. The only people we ever see him really, really saying anything that I would even consider negative to was who? Pharisees, religious leaders, those that thought they had it all together and were corrupting the teachings that he had. And he, he didn't have a lot of use for those people. Now, I can, I can see that. But even then, he, he wasn't, he, 
He just didn't do it like we did. Of course, he's the son of God, so he's a little more perfect than I am, okay? You know, that, that makes it a little easier on him. He's got a bit of an advantage there that I don't have, living a sinless life and all that. That makes it a little easier for him to determine how to do those things. But then again, as Christians, we, we look at things, you know, our, our favorite verses are those things where we think we can pin Jesus, you know, as doing something bad. You know, it's, what did he do in the temple? He turned tables over and ran people out with a whip, didn't he? That's scripture. He did do that. Who were the ones offending that there? It was people like us. It was people, it was religious people. It were people that claimed to worship God, but were oppressing the people around them. A lot of that, the money changers deal was about how when you came to offer sacrifices and things, they weren't being fair to people as they came in and were taking advantage of them in the currency trade and things like that. And, and, and Jesus said, this, no, this, this is not this is not Walmart. We're not selling sheep and ox and goats for you to make money off of here. This is to worship God. And he ran them out because of their views of that. You know, he did that. But what happens then, we as Christians take that same approach to everything we do to witness to others. You know, you must do it this way because I say you should and, and God's on my side. I'm going to tell you most of the time God is not on my side because I'm not on his side. Amen. You know, those are things that I have to check up in my life. When I say it's this way, you always have to go back to Scripture and determine, is it truly that way? Or are you just using your opinion and your influence? But this overt negativity of how we're going to do things in an aggressive manner is terrible for us as Christians. But we have endless opportunities to demonstrate our love for others. Have y'all ever thought about that? How many opportunities, how many times a day you really have the opportunity to love somebody else? How many of you live in a bubble and never associate with anybody else? <laughs> We've got one down here. You're sitting next to your friend, so you're a liar too. See, I called you out on it. <laughs> See, Matt, hit him for me, would you? Just go ahead and smack him. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, fully, I'm fully encouraging that aggressiveness on your part. No, but we don't live in a bubble. So we have to have relationships with people. So we have ample opportunity to show how much we love others, right? But do we do that? Do we do that? You know, we compartmentalize that love. Mm. We show it at church. I haven't seen anybody here today that I felt wasn't a loving person. Everybody was so nice and they were greeting each other. Miss Jean was hugging everybody back there. Is Miss Jean in here? Where's there? She's back in the court. Miss Jean is hugging everybody and loving everybody. She is so wonderful. Kelly will not share that same story with you, I'll guarantee, because she's had to discipline Kelly in his life. <laughs> I, bet, I bet she didn't go run. Kelly, I love you so much, honey. You just did wrong. I am so, I am so proud of you still. No, she probably whacked his rear end. Uh, she sitting back there, and, amen? Amen. We don't always show our true faces, do we? And I love Miss Jean, and I can kid with her because I know her and her family, and they're good friends. But we, we think about all these things. We put our best foot forward on church on Sunday morning, right? It's easy to love people here. Even some of you that are Alabama fans and things like that. Well, we'll let that go, though. You got, your, you got your up, you know, you got what's coming to you there, so I'm happy. And all you other people that are laughing, that's just, that's just mean, isn't it? You know, I hate it. Heath's not in here to hear all that, but it's okay. But, you know, we, we, we take things too far sometimes in, in the way that, that we, we try and be hurtful to others to get a point across. And we got a video this morning. I'm sure some of you have seen it this week. This is, and we're going to go into depth in this uh, about how we can show love to each other.
I have to agree with the challenging ourselves to be better. Does anybody have any problem with that part of the message? But everybody out here probably had a different reaction to that. I've, I've seen this in the media this week. Everybody had their own take on what this message was trying to say. And people disagreed about it. Some vehemently disagreed with it. You know, and I think the problem is, just like I was talking about overt witnessing and things like that, our society has come to the point that now even our media expects to polarize us on issues to sell us things. Yeah? We now accept the way you do things is you market to one extreme or the other, or you try and some people try and straddle the line, but we try and pit people against each other to sell our products. You know, men had a different reaction to this than some women did. Some women had the same reaction that men did. But you know, there was there was a problem in the premise of all of it. And that's when we start using things like most and some and all and all those things. That's where it gets to be tough and that's where we need to step in and show love for each other. You know, one of the things I would, would caution people about that, that don't see both sides of this eye, and there are two sides. There are men that behave horribly, just like that says. And they need to be called out on it. And, and we as men should, should call out our peers if they're acting that way. You know, however, not all men act that way. And that's the two extremes that we're seeing. The ad doesn't necessarily overtly try and do that, but the reactions to it is where the problem relies. And we're seeing people polarized into camps, whether it's a good ad or a bad ad now, based on those two camps. And that's not a, that's not a Christian outlook for us. We shouldn't be taking such polar sides that we have to be so engaged in this you know, there are things there, you know, and, and this is the, the litmus test for me is when I see people say that most men act that way. If you're a lady here this morning, would you say that your son or your husband sitting next to you acts that way? Nobody in here is going to say that. And the problem is you have a relationship with that person, right? You know them, you know their heart, and you know they wouldn't do that. But for those people you don't have a relationship with, it's very easy to say they'll do something that you don't have any idea whether they're that way or not. 
And that is our problem as a society is we have taken to extremes. You know, listen to this. This was a, someone had responded that they, they didn't like the, the premise of the ad and that most men do condemn bad behavior whenever they see it, whether you agree with that or not. But somebody responded to that with how anyone could even utter a thought like this in light of the Catholic Church's ongoing sex abuse crisis is a mystery. Did everybody in the Catholic Church abuse children? Do you, do you think that most priests went into the priesthood with the goal of abusing young boys? No, nobody thinks that. But it's okay to say today for whatever reason, and we can categorize those priests. If you come out and defend and say, that's not that true, and they'll say, it's even that way in, it's even that way in conservative Baptist churches. You see, yes, you see exceptions to all of this. But most are not doing it. And that's where we are seeing the division in our country is caused by this not loving each other and categorizing people. We're saying that most do this. Most are good. Most are bad. The truth is somewhere in the middle, but the middle doesn't exist anymore in our country. I don't know if y'all have noticed that, but if you take a rational in the middle of the road stance, it's not welcome anymore. You have to get in a camp. You have to do this or this. You can't take even a political platform and say, I like these points, but I don't like this one. And I like these points, but I don't like this one. You must choose a side. And that's the way our society has become. Now, what happens in all that is we begin to communicate in hateful manners. We begin to quit showing love to each other because those people are different from me and I don't like what they're saying. So I'm going to show them how much I disapprove of them by how hateful I'm going to be. This is very easy to do when we're talking about people groups and talking about people that we don't know. We, we make assumptions about what their beliefs are, what their morality is like, and we start making all these assumptions and things. And even as Christians we do this, and the world around us looks at it and says, you're just like the rest of them. That's not what God's intention is for us. To make this communication the correct way it needs to be in a relationship. I can, I can, I can assure you that, that most people that post on social media, which is our preferred communication means in the United States, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, some of y'all are still on MySpace, but that's, a, that's your problem. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a little, that's a little out there. Some of you guys are still hanging on to MySpace. You know, they may close that down sometime. It may not be real effective for you. But we, we tend to communicate be a social media like this. And, and the problem being is we think we could be so aggressive in making our point and we say things that we would never say to somebody in person. Y'all agree with that? That is, is such a shame that we think that we have the freedom, especially, y'all got to remember, if you claim you're a Christian, your witness and your testimony is on the line when you speak, whether it's in a public forum, whether it's one-to-one, -one, whatever. People are watching what you say and how you treat others. And when we start doing that, there's a problem. And like I said, this is not a message all about social media, but it's about how we're stopping loving each other and communicating with love in what we're doing. And we see this in so many things. We see it in our politics. We see it in so many things. But I did run across this. Let's, let's look at the positive side of this. You know, I, I read this, this hint because, you know, the big controversy here is, is 
is about manhood and about masculinity. And people have taken the extremes of they're trying to make the, a genderless society. And then some other people are saying men are, men are horrible and they're, all the men are abusing all the women. Those are the extremes. The truth lies in the middle somewhere. The real truth of it does. But I think for us, our concern should be as men what biblical manhood is. Would y'all agree with that? If you're a man and you follow Christ, you should want to know what biblical manhood looks like. And here's just a few quick points on that. It says, and this isn't in the notes, so, so you'll have to listen along. Biblical manhood can be boiled down to five basic principles which each man is expected to conform to. These are humility before his God, control of his appetites, protecting his family, providing for his family, and leading his family. Men who fail to meet these expectations are not behaving as men, biblically speaking, but as something a lot less noble. That's what the Bible tells us our role as men is in our homes is to lead our homes in the right way. Leading doesn't mean that your wife is this submissive servant who doesn't have an equal part in your marriage either. Don't get that wrong either, guys. There's, there are men that have taken advantage of Scripture and taken it out of context. It says we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave his life for us, didn't he? It was so important to him. His bride was so important. He died for it. And that means dying to our own appetites, the things we want, and serving our family. I think that if we take it as a servant's heart of what a man is supposed to do in his, his family, I think that makes a lot of difference. And if you'll think back to those Ten Commandments, a lot of those dealt with how men should treat those around them. And that's, that's what we should be looking for. But when we lash out at entire people groups because it's easier than showing love through relational conversations, would y'all agree with that? It's easier to stereotype a group of people that you may not even know anything about than it is to open up a conversation and, and build a relationship with somebody. You know, that's one of the things I've seen with the homeless in Chattanooga is a lot of people have simply said, you know, those people just need to get a job. The truth is most of them can't hold a job. And there's reasons for it. There are addiction reasons. There's mental illness reasons. There's a few that are just lazy and have found a life they like. They like the lifestyle. But we can't categorize them all like that. If you will sit down and go up to a homeless person that's out on the street, says, you know, need help, God bless, whatever, and you will have a conversation with them. And if you can have a, a spirit-led conversation with them, you will find the array of stories is as diverse as the people are, of why they're there, what's happened to them, how they wound up that way. And when we start looking at that, let's expand that to other things. Let's expand it to the races, to men versus women, to immigrants, all those things. If you go out and start having real conversations with people, instead of just looking at sound bites in the media and looking at extremes that we see, you'll get a whole different perspective about who you're talking to, and you can have loving communication with them and love people that are different from you. It would be really easy, just like I said earlier, all of y'all have shown love to each other here this morning. If everybody were like you, it would be a wonderful world, wouldn't it? We'd, just, we'd all love each other. It would be fantastic. There would be no, no, no crime, no wars, no famine, no anything. We would all just be wonderful people. God tells us we've got a sin nature, and that's not true. We all truly fall short of that goal. But what is happening today is we are taking those different people groups, those people that aren't like us, and we don't want to show them love because we think we know all about them. Can we put that graphic up, uh, that uh, picture I found? Oh, he doesn't have it. Mark must not have got that one. Um, 
this is a, I will describe the graphic, it's very easy to describe. It's talking about the border wall, and it shows the United States up here, and Mexico down here, and it's talking about the border wall. And you know where it shows the wall being built? Right at the center of the United States, because we're being divided as a people because of our stereotyping of other groups. Whichever side, and it doesn't matter whether you're for or against it, you're being sucked into it, okay? Here are the two sides that we get presented is, all of those people coming across the border wall are a bunch of horrible criminals. They're here to rape your women, take your jobs, etc. That's the one side of the argument that people support. The other side is they're all wonderful people who have no other alternative but to run to the United States because they can't live where they're at. Neither one of those statements is the whole truth. Somewhere in the middle is the real story. There are extremes that I believe are true in both those cases. There are some few, a minority of those people that are in those situations. However, when you start looking at what's going on, there's more to it than that. It's a very complex thing. And it comes down to people being oppressed that think they need to get a better way of life is what most of them are dealing with. And we as the United States don't have a good way to deal with that right now. People are undergoing oppression, but we don't have a good immigration system to try and take care of that. And you'll see immigrants that agree with building border security because they say, I had to go through all these steps to get here, and you people are basically breaking line. Why can't you wait in line like I had to? You know, those of you that have adopted, how would you feel if, you know, you go through all the paperwork and everything, then all of a sudden the next couple comes up and says, I don't worry about all that, here's your kid. It's a difficult process, isn't it, to adopt a child in the United States. It's a very difficult process. But we need to start being loving towards each other. And, and like I said, these, these extremes, you know, are dividing us as a country, they're dividing us as Christians, they're dividing us as men and women. Who do you think would want to do that? Satan. That's who's the, the ultimate one to, to want to divide us as a people, and especially to, to divide Christians. But there are ways we can insulate against this. And we're going to go through several verses here as I close that, that tell us how to communicate with each other. Let's look first at James 1, verse 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Two things I really like in that verse are being quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to anger. That is not the way our society is geared today. We are very quick to respond, respond with something that you know is very cutting, is very negative. Listen to those around you. Empathize with those that may not be like you. Try and strike up conversations and love those people that don't look like you and learn more about them. You know, that's a difficult thing to do is to, to love people that aren't like you. But if you will begin to be quick to hear, quick to listen at what's going on, you'll be able to build relationships that you never dreamed of. Because down, in, down inside, you know why we all have things in common? Because even if you're not a believer, you're still made in God's image. And there's something there that we as Christians need to capitalize on. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. There's a lot of goodness in that verse. You know, no corrupting talk. You know, say things that are good for building up, as fits the occasion. And giving grace to those that hear. Man, do we do that enough? I don't. Do we look for ways to build people around us up? Or do we look at ways to divide, or to divide 
our opinions against them and put them down and, and, and devalue them as people. That's in essence what a lot of us do. When we don't listen, when we're not quick to hear, we start devaluing the opinions and the beliefs of others. And we may very well be wrong. We need to find common ground by communicating. and We need to build up with our conversations. We need to take care of those, those type of relationships. Uh, Proverbs 12 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. How many of you see healing communication amongst anybody these days? Do you see things where people come in and try to be the, that person in the middle of the road, that person that says, I understand your point and I also understand your point. And we need to come together and heal our relationship so we can move forward and do what's best. Do y'all see that? I don't see a lot of that these days. Again, I see this polarization that you have to fall into one camp or the other. And, but you need, need to bring wise words of healing. You know, wisdom is something that God tells us, is, he gives us as a gift. Do y'all, do y'all believe God is wise? Do you believe he can show us how to react to situations? You know, we don't, we sometimes just take that for granted that, you know, God can't do that, but he certainly can. Proverbs 18, 2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I think that should be Facebook's tagline, don't you? (laughs) A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. There are so many of us, and we've talked about this here before, that we think that our opinion is the only one that matters, and we're right, you're wrong. And that's why we're out here is to let you know how right we are. That is not the way Scripture tells us we could act. As a matter of fact, I think that just said that a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. We need to start understanding those around us, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your coworker, whether it's a people group you don't even know. And we need to take steps towards understanding and communicating with each other in a loving manner. We need to love those people that aren't like us or those that we struggle in our relationships with. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What that is saying is that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Okay, The words that come out of your mouth come from the meditation of your heart. Whatever you're concentrating on, whatever you're feeding your heart is likely going to be spoken out of your mouth. And that's something we need to be careful of what we consume. If we consume only negative thoughts, negative opinions and those things, those things start festering in our heart and before we know it they start coming out of our mouth. We may not even know where they come from. You know, we don't spend enough time in scripture learning how to manage our lives. We don't we don't think about meditating on the word of God. You know, just these these last bullet points here with your own U version, you can you can go out there and look. Just these verses here should give you a lot of encouragement on how to deal with those around you and how to be slow to, slow to speak, quick to hear, you know, and manage those things and, and look at the heart. You know, Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We are supposed to be becoming more Christ-like in everything we do, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Everything we do should be driving us towards being more Christ-like. Now, if you pray, I think God will show you things in your life that may be pushing you away from Christ. It may be your opinions. It may be your, some, some beliefs you have that aren't true. It may be a harshness towards others around you. 
God will show us if we will ask Him and meditate on His Word. And say, God, show me this week how I can show love to those around me. Show me how I can be the peacemaker. You, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Remember that from the Beatitudes? Those that try and make peace out of these, these polar extreme situations are blessed, God says. He doesn't say blessed are the ones with strong opinions here or blessed are the ones with strong opinions here. He says blessed are those that are making peace and showing love towards both sides. That's who we as Christians are supposed to be. You know, and we go back and look at how Jesus did it. Do we ever see Jesus taking up those issues just like this first thing here where they were trying to trap him into being on one side or the other? Jesus in a loving way showed them the middle ground, didn't he? He showed what he loved, he showed his love towards those around him. You know, he didn't say, You're wrong to even because he could have very well said, You're wrong to even be thinking there's one commandment that's greater than the other. No, he just simply told him, here's what everything else hinges on. It hinges on our love for each other. We should be known by our love. And he did that to give us an example of how to live day to day. That's as true then as it is today. Those people that Jesus was speaking to had the same problems that we have today. You know, the society looked a little different, but they were struggling with many of the same things that we did. So what I would, I would pray this week, guys, as we, as we close, is that you'll apply these things to your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your coworkers, relationship to people you may not even know out here in these people groups, that you will begin to take an understanding heart towards those that don't look like you or those that you struggle in a relationship with and let God speak through you. It would be wonderful if we as Christians could be seen as the peacemakers in today's time, wouldn't it? That people looked at, you know, we should ask that person over there because I know they're a believer. They say they follow Jesus. They have a lot of wisdom usually. Let's ask them what they think. We should be able to have that reputation in our communities and, and we should build those loving relationships with each other. And I just pray that, that as, as we close that uh, we'll do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day, God. We, we just pray that we'll learn to not be such a divisive people, God, that we'll learn that there are, there are ways that we can, we can certainly reach out in love to those that aren't like us, God, that we can. It's a simple love. Everything we do should be so simple. Simple as that greatest commandment of loving God and loving people. God, it is so, it is so simple but so hard for us to grasp and do because we get in the way of it ourselves. The way we feel about things, our own opinions, our own beliefs, God, they get in the way of that relationship, God. And I just pray today that you'll, you'll restore that spirit in us, Lord, of being the peacemakers, Lord, that we can love those around us, whether it's in our own relationships with our spouses. Maybe there's marriages here today that are struggling, God. I just pray that if there's anyone that, that hears this today, God, that they'll go back and look and learn to love their spouse, and learn to pursue them, God, and that, that we'll learn to pursue you like we, like we do our relationships here on earth, God, and just pray that you'll You'll help us in these things, God, and, and help us to see things the way you would have us to see them and not the way society wants us to, God, because we are a peculiar people, God, and we should be thinking differently and acting differently than those around us, God. And I just pray this week that you'll encourage us, as, as many of us use this, this in a, as a study guide this week, God, that we'll, we'll have some good conversations of how we can treat, treat people while having different opinions, God, and how we can love our spouses and our children, our parents, how we can build these relationships in love, God. I just pray that you'll help us as we do our Bible studies this week and bless in that, God, and just pray that you'll bless in all the things we endeavor to do for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.